This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Catherine Hayes, the Executive Director of the Wharton Future of Advertising Program. The Wharton Future of Advertising Program, it's a part of the SEI Center here at Wharton, led by marketing professor Jerry Wind. And what we do is we act as a catalyst, bridging industry and academia to reinvent the scope, practice, and value of advertising. And really, we look beyond the traditional silos, the traditional definition of advertising, to how orchestrating and creating value through all touch points between brands and people can really generate greater value for people, greater valuation for companies, and greater positive impact on culture and society. So do check us out at wfoa.wharton.upenn.edu or at WhartonFOA on Twitter. Um, And we've just recently published a book called Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touch Points. So take take a look at that too. So Wednesday nights uh, from 5 to 7, you'll hear either marketing uh, professor Barbara Kahn or me as your host of Marketing Matters. And today I'm joined by some really special guests, um, some very dear friends who uh, have been working with us for collaborating for a number of years now, Cheryl Burgess and Mark Burgess of Blue Focus Marketing. And they're going to be with me throughout the entire show, which is kind of fun to have them here in the studio. And they've actually tapped into their network to bring a a really, truly amazing set of guests to add to our discussion. So what we're going to be talking about is their new book called The Social Employee, How Great Companies Make Social Media Work. So we're really going to be unpacking this topic, um, and we're going to be um, uh, really having seeing it from a a bunch of different vantage points. So first up, we'll talk with Cheryl and Mark, and we'll hear a little bit more about the book and some of the topics and and some of the definitions behind it. And then uh, at around Around 5.30, we're going to chat with well-known business management guru, Tom Peters. Um, I'm sure you all know Tom's most known for a book that he co-authored a, a couple decades ago called In Search of Excellence, which really changed the way the world does business and it's often tagged as one of the biggest selling and widely read business books ever. Um, later, we'll be joined by David Edelman. He's the co-leader of the Global Digital Marketing and Sales Practice at McKinsey. Um, and also a good friend of uh, Wharton FOA. And last but not least, we'll have brand strategist and writer uh, who contributes to the New York Times, a couple of front page articles uh, or articles recently, Wall Street Journal, Fast Company. Kevin Randall will be online to share his thoughts and experience. So uh, with that fabulous lineup, I do want to invite our listeners, if you have any questions or comments or just want to weigh in, um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the phone lines are open at one 844 Wharton. That's one 844 So with that, no further ado, I'd like to welcome our first guests, Cheryl Burgess and Mark Burgess of Blue Focus Marketing. Cheryl and Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Catherine. Really happy to be here today. Um, and I think you do have a great lineup with uh, three tremendous individuals. I think you'll find as we go through the session that, I mean, we're very passionate about the social employee, and in particular, what we call the social employee revolution. We also refer to it as the new marketing channel, a great opportunity for brands. So I'm the president of Blue Focus Marketing, which is a social branding consultancy. And I had the privilege and honor about two years ago to do a TED Talk 
that was on the topic of the book, which was the rise of the social employee. And it's interesting to see how that has been evolving over time. Wonderful. And Cheryl, welcome to you, too. Well, thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much for having us. We've been friends for a long time and working alongside Warden all these years has been really exciting and wonderful opportunity. And Mark and I really appreciate being here today. So we're really excited today because there's so much that a lot of people don't know about social employees and advocacy and understanding where it's going and how this journey started. But I think what we'll learn today is how we really need to do it. The book is the why, and we're going to go on the journey today. And with our wonderful guests, Tom Peters and David Edelman and Kevin Randall, we're going to learn even more so about where this journey is going because it's one of the most important talked about topics out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it really is really, as you know that yourself. Yep. Yep. So, well, let's go ahead and um, kind of lay the groundwork a little bit. Mark, if you could maybe just describe the the marketing environment, the business environment that you saw when you all ventured onto this uh, landscape that really has led for the need for this topic. We'll get into what a social employee is, right. but but what was going on that you saw that that uh, that caused this to Sure. Well, first important? of all, I think that one of the things we found that we believe that, you know, today a brands really have to face kind of a fundamental truth, which is really that marketing is everyone's job. It mm-hmm. isn't just the people in the marketing department. If you look at new product development, a lot of different things you can do in a company, you need to fold in a lot of different individuals. So I think the social employee revolution is about building employees with deeper skill sets, better resources for for learning, for engaging, trying to become authentic brand ambassadors that feel great about the brand they work for, and at the same time, they're building their own personal brands. So I think a little bit of the environment and where it started from was really the idea that, you know, and we talked about, you know, the idea of even change is changing, in that, you know, there used to be the idea we'd sit around the TV and we'd wait for the TV ad to come on and it would tell us what new products to buy. We're way beyond that now, of course, in the power of their, our smartphone and the opportunity to really know what is really out there and what we need to do. So in an environment where people are actually less trusting of advertising and more trusting of their own peer networks, people they know, people they trust, that the opportunity for, for more authenticity and believability is really the key to driving you know, change within the organization. So people, I think, care maybe less about pure paid media today. So I think really the the holy grail is what we call earned media. So within that, basically, it's all this recommendation from people we know and people we trust. Earned media used to be thought of as public relations. Yes, Yes, exactly. So if somebody takes the time and effort to share, you know, a news item or, or a tweet or information about you, the value of that ripples throughout your entire network. And I think fundamentally there's a basic presence that really, you know, asks you a question, which is if you can't trust your employees, who can you trust? Hmm. Yeah, so I would imagine that with uh, the advent of of social media and brands and businesses finding their employees coming on board and using social media, whether the brand wanted them to or not, there are some really interesting stories, uh, and some of them not quite so good right. uh, in terms of what happened um, in the marketplace to really do it. So so was the book around trying to give some structure to it and some guidance to, to businesses in terms of how to take a hold of something that they really probably couldn't 100% control but did need to manage? 
Yeah, well, one of the things we found, in fact, in the, a lot of uh, really good deep interviews with the brands in the book was the realization that the most important critical factor is something called a social media policy. And if you have the policy and you train your employees on the policy, that you're probably, you know, 99.9% of the way along avoiding any kind of issues where somebody's going to go rogue. Typically, those instances have found that they either weren't aware of the policy or they weren't trained on the policy. Mm -hmm. So brands need to look beyond that and realize if they can craft that document, which brands like IBM and Adobe have done extremely well. In fact, they will share their their written policies right. with other companies that they actually the door into this opportunity is a lot uh, easier to do. Well, I know one thing that you talk about is to you make a distinction between social media and thinking of it just as social media and the social employee. So can you describe what's a, how do you just, uh, define social employee and why I know it's a, a big part of, of, uh, of the book? Well, let me give you a simple analogy that I think even though we're on radio. And then, by the way, we're going to get to you, Cheryl, next. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I know. I'm I'm not all Uh, talking to Mark here, but but, uh, your turn next. There is a great, thank you. There's a great analogy courtesy of IBM. They call it the marbles analogy. So you can picture a listener, um, what I'm trying to do here, if you have a baseball and a bag of marbles. So you have them in each hand. So they're both way about the same. They are about the same size. And in fact, if you put them in a bucket of water, they will displace the same amount of liquid. But the significant difference is the bag of marbles representing your social employees, the baseball, let's say the organization. So the bag of marbles represents over 300% greater surface area. Hmm. That's 300% greater interaction, Mm -hmm. collaboration internally with people across the firm and importantly, externally out there into the real world in terms of customers and prospects. So basically the opportunity to take that, and we also kind of think about that as an analogy, your brand in effect kind of is the sum total of the personal brands of the employees Hmm. that work for the company. And the IBM is the first that will tell you that the employee is the voice of the brand. Explicitly, and that's something that they really want. So the social employee is is beyond an employee who just uses social media? Or yeah, is that they the are, primary? Well, they use social media, but I mean, basically they are, you know, they're engaged, they're in uh, part of the part of the goal mm. is choosing the right employees to become part of a pilot program that we always recommend. Find the ones that are interested, engaged, and passionate about what they do. And they then train them properly, and they know what the social media policy is. And all of a sudden, they're thinking about the brand and how they how they act in the market is really smoothed out in a lot of different ways. And again, eliminating some of those potential problems. Yeah. So it's social as opposed to individual, I think, is probably the emphasis when we talk about social employees. It's, it's that interaction. It's it's using it could social be internal. It could be them. internal collaboration or external collaboration. For example, brands can't communicate externally unless they first communicate internally. Right. So we're really talking about social business here. And um, employees are, and when you say social media or social employees, we're not just looking at one pillar of social business. We're looking at how social employees can communicate internally. And and that way they're innovative, they're collaborative. There's a lot of internal new software programs out there Mm -hmm. that they can use on the external facing i mean they could also do external but as mark said there's that's not the entire organization right. just maybe a select few got it 
Got it. So let's talk about um, the social leader. That's another uh, term that you use in the book. Can you describe what a social leader is? And I know you've um, done uh, some work on creating a list of the top 25 social business leaders. Yeah, I was actually, this is really a big honor. Um, and I have to thank IBM for this and The Economist. Um, I was asked to participate as an advisory board member in 2014. And I knew this was always missing. There's really no criteria written for what mm. a social leader needed to have with a social business leader. And so what we spent a few months and we really collaborated um, with The Economist and IBM. Um, there's about five of us. Um, and we wrote a, the core criteria of what the social business leader should have. And one of them was they must be storytellers and visionaries. And um, those were the two things that stood out the most. And um, along with that, then we selected 25 social business leaders who had these traits and qualities. So they had this as a title? So managing the social aspect of their business was in their no. title? Or no. these were just people who no. were no. leaders in the field? And that's a good question because they did not have those as their title. We identified those as people who were catalyst, social catalysts who really understood and had the vision to uh, move forward um, how to how to create a social business. So by that, you would need to know how to use different collaboration tools, how to mm -hmm. motivate employees, how to see the mission, vision, and values of the companies and try to align that with their employees. Can you maybe give us a couple of examples or one or two examples of, of who one of those leaders was and... Uh, um, well, I have a list of leaders. I actually brought them through, and I, a lot of times people ask me, and I have a list of them, but I always say if I leave some of the people off. But one of them, I will say, is Martin Etherton. And Martin, um, I really, he was one of the strong people I actually loved and felt he should really be on this list. Uh, Martin actually read our book over the weekend. Um, and by Monday, he um, changed the whole. No wonder you like him. Yes, no wonder I like him. Well, you and know, what company does he work with? He uh, Mitel, mm -hmm. and um, he was CMO of Mitel. Um, in fact, the whole thing was written up in MIT Sloan Business Review um, for his thinking and, and philosophy and structure of how he structured the company, which was really great for the book at that time because it really yeah. gave a lot of visibility to the book um, from um, from the um, business world. And um, he, in Martin's case, he trained thousands of employees. I think 1,600, was that mm. correct, Mark? But it's a $1.2 billion company, telecommunications company. Mm -hmm. So um, we thought that was fantastic. We never expected that and was wonderful to see that, just reading it over the weekend and making a major change and adjustment. And so that was one person who was on the list. Um, there were other people um, that we know, and like we have a whole list of. Them. If you go to IBM's website and type mm -hmm. in the social, um, the social business leader, twenty-five top social business leaders, you'll see the entire list. Fantastic! That's a great resource for people to go and see. Yes, yes. And does it give profiles of them as well? Yes, it does, and also gives all of the core criteria. I just mentioned two of the criteria, mm -hmm. and there's more of the criteria because those criteria are very important when you look for social leaders. Well, how, you know, to that end, how can social leaders, when you think about them, create social employees? What is it that they do? What are the what are sort of the key ways that they work to make 
their employees and sort of follow their lead. Well, that's that's really important too. First of all, they have to believe in the company themselves. They have to believe in the mission, the vision, the values. Going back to that, so they have to walk the talk. They definitely like have to do. walk the talk. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and and you know you, you know when you think about a social leader, they don't need to be in the C-suite. You don't need that. You don't even need to be a senior leader. You, and I learned that through working with the economists, really understanding it. Um, yet it doesn't. You also still need C-suite buy-in. So don't get me wrong. Yeah, you I was going to say that. I wanted. I want to follow yes. up on that. Yes, but, but just with the leaders for starters. Yes. So yes. What, how else are they getting the employees engaged? Well, so a social leader will actually start treating and talking to people where they become so authentic that they build this trust and this thinking behind how they relate to the brand. And it becomes contagious. And you know yourself on contagious and thinking. Mm-hmm. We, we, um, there is that aspect of marketing where if you believe in something, you inspire others. So these leaders are like inspirational catalysts, mm-hmm. reaching people's hearts and souls. And Kevin Randall will be talking about that too. Um, he wrote our book afterward, author, um, or afterward, and um, a lot of thinking goes into this, too, with Southwest Airlines, how they inspire their employees through that, that connection. Um, and then in terms of uh, the benefits of a social employee to the culture um, of the organization, I mean, it seems pretty intuitive, but are there ways in terms of for people who are thinking about really starting to get their employees more engaged, our listeners, um, what are the kind of the the big benefits that the company should be looking for? Yeah, I can take that one. I think that, I mean, number one, I think one of the main benefits of social employees to the organization is that employee-generated content has been measured as being something like eight to ten times more effective than branded content coming from the organization. So even the Edelman Trust Barometer that does a a study every year, the 2016 version, found in a lot of ways that social employees are more trusted even than maybe some of the higher-ups in the organization. So there is a trust and authenticity that comes from them. Some of the more recent study from Hinge Research Mentioned a few things such as, you know, increased visibility for what the firm. It? It's Hinge Research? Hinge, right, H-I-N-G-E. There was a study that was done a few months ago by Hinge and in collaboration with, I believe, Social Media Today. So they found increased visibility, more brand loyalty, uh, even, inter- even decreased marketing expense. So basically, social employees are more likely to also maybe exceed their sales quotas, generate new connections, and just increase overall effectiveness brand awareness for the firm. So many studies have found really that social employees also another big benefit, in addition to sharing content on behalf of the brand, that they feel more connected and more enthusiastic about the brand. So if you think about the opportunity in business today to have motivated, enthused employees, one of the great ways to do that is to involve them in you know becoming a social employee. Brands like Dell have done that extremely well. Over the last couple of years, they're up to maybe 20,000 of their employees become certified um, uh, social employees or their name is certified for it, but same idea. And could, they, you, could you explain that a little bit? What is yeah, that? well, they, I mean, they call them certified employees. They do a lot of training. We have a chapter in the book that talks about social media and community training. Uh, which they call Smack U, Smack right? Smack right. It's, it's the cute. Uh, it's social media community uh, university, and they do a tremendous amount of training and how to use some of the tools: Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you know, various um, products. 
and this raises the comfort level of the employees. And you're also selecting people that want to be part of this. I think the most important factor for all companies is you don't expect that every employee will do this, and you wouldn't want to force it on them either. So it has to be within their comfort zone. They have to feel good about it. And if they do, they become the, the passionate ambassador for your brand. So I think the authenticity tends to come through. Interesting. Well, what about the people who don't want to become uh, a social employee, or how how does yeah. that work? How do what kind of percentages do did you find when you were talking with companies in terms of how many employees become engaged in this way? Well, I think I mean again back to the Dell yeah. example. I don't know how many they have overall, but if today they have twenty thousand, you know, they have still have more to go. So what is happening is you're getting the, you know, the, the brightest, the best, the most enthusiastic, and it spans different, you know, it's not just purely a millennial thing. I mean, one of the elements of the research that I mentioned, the HINS research, you found, you know, what does being a social media or a social uh, advocacy, you know, employee mean to you? And one of the real keys was differentiation. It helps me to differentiate my brand in the marketplace. And you have a big bump for millennials who answered that question, but you equally had a big bump for boomers. So all right. of a sudden, here is a way for, for you know, that generation all of a sudden to see the benefit and the value of the tools, and they can differentiate themselves. So the benefits to the individual are equally as great, which is why we always talk about the revolution. If the benefits were only to the brand, right. it's going right. to go in one direction, not real far. But if I know I can build a network and build a presence and sort of, you know, have that opportunity and that network around me, then my own personal brand is being plussed by the opportunity. Got it. So if you're just joining me, um, our guests today are Cheryl and Mark Burgess. They're um, heading up Blue Focus Marketing, and we're talking today about their fabulous book, The Social Employee, which uh, which we've had great fun um, chatting about so far and really getting to understand what is a social employee, what's a social leader. Um, we've talked a little bit about Mark was just talking about some of the benefits of, of social employees. Um, what about in terms of, Cheryl, I just want to turn this one to you. What about the, the win-win of social employee advocacy for both the employee and the organization? Right. So actually that's very important because, the, first of all, going back to the why, the employees need to start right there mm. with the why. You just can't say, well, I'm going to give you a reward. And a lot of companies are bought into this whole reward system, uh, gratification. Employees today want to know the why I want to do this. If you explain the why, again, going back to the mission, vision, values, if they buy into the why, they will be more apt to participate. And what this means is um, they're building their own personal brand. Um, they're showing their own excellence. So we're like, um, they're beginning to be build their own network. So for example, you, Mark and I talked about this just before we came here too. You have um, an employee, exact same experience, or an applicant going for a job who has an MBA from wherever, and they sit there, they have exact credentials, but one has a bigger network, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, whatever they have. Facebook's not so much as important right now, but trust me, going forward, you're going to be hearing more about what Facebook is going to be doing um, in this whole field. But right now, it's what you're building in this world as your credentials, your digital footprint is critical because you're not going to stay in that job. In fact, I think, Mark, was the statistics 
Like mm-hmm. by the time you're 38, you may have had 14 different job changes. <laughs> right, right. So think about that. You keep switching jobs, but if you keep into your internal network and never going outside your network, how are you going to be switching those jobs? Right. For the company, they have more authenticity. They're able to share content through um, their employees, and their employees have friends and family and coworkers and people they associate with. Their networks. And their networks and are their valuable. Right. It's extremely valuable. Interesting. And so uh, one of the things that you talk about in the book is this notion of a social ecosystem. So can you define that and, and why is it important for business and how does it, how does it differ than the social employee? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, first of all, uh, I had the privilege of being able to write an article for the inaugural issue of Rutgers Business Review that was announced like, like a week ago, released a week oh, wow. ago. And the title was Shaping the Future, the New Social Ecosystem. And what's important about the article, and, and obviously our readers can uh, go to that link, um, Rutgers Business Review, and you can download it um, for free, basically. And, but it, the thinking goes beyond marketing, social media for marketing purposes, which we tend to think of. It's really looking at the model provides kind of a, a blueprint for the organization for adopting social within the entire organization. So the premise is that we need to view social media not only as a marketing channel, but as sort of this multidimensional organizational touch point that offers brands different benefits extending well beyond you know, the need to generate leads or, or, or sales. So I think ultimately, you know, the idea is that the most effective social programs are organization-wide and participation at all levels. So we go through different, uh, there's like three pillars that they describe in the, in the article looking at forming a governance council that guides and helps make this happen in the organization. Secondly, looking at something we call the employee experience, or we call it, we give it its own little acronym, the EX we talk tremendous amounts today about customer experience. Right. And, but basically the idea is you cannot have a really great customer experience unless you have a great employee experience. I know we were talking um, before we came on air about the CEO of United Airlines who was uh, on the radio this morning as I was driving here to, uh, who talked about exactly that, that that's the first thing that he saw within the year of his, uh, his time there is how important it was to really start with the employees because they can't have a good customer service exactly as you said unless the employees are feeling right. some sense of right. and he said and we're in the service business so yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. it's really a very important. And there's a great brand story in the book for Southwest Airlines and really that's kind of the idea. I mean they go out of their way to make their employees you know they just love their employees if you treat them really well then they'll automatically treat their customers well so it really kind of works that way so the idea of bridging the employee experience and the customer experience is through training through education and and in fact, that's one of the points that Tom Peters, who's going to be on shortly. Don't is, steal his thunder. No, no we cannot. But I would just say he is incredibly <laughs> passionate about brands and training. And, and that's part of what makes, I think, or will make the social ecosystem work. Great. So, um, okay, back to you, Cheryl. I think yes. we've just got a couple more minutes um, before we want to take a break and then come back and talk with Tom. Um, but before we do, um, talk a little bit about the executive buy-in. And, and who at the, on the executive team, and why is that so important? Well, first of all, when we were writing the book, let's start there, um, we were writing about social employees. And I realized halfway through writing the book, this isn't going to happen without executive buy-in. 
So I contacted McGraw-Hill and says, we need a chapter on social executives. And at that time, it was like, where do I begin? And they said, sure, go ahead. I had no clue. I knew it was important. No clue how to do it. I contacted Sandy Carter from IBM and a few other executives from IBM and um, even asked Maria Winans um, in an interview I was working on for um, HBR Italia how to get the executive buy-ins and how to do it. And it was keep them in their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We also have reverse mentoring that we talk about in the book. Um, all these are important components. Um, but like you said, it's critical. It's happening. And we have to keep best practices. I would think the head of HR would have to be a really critical uh, yeah. part of the whole conversation, too. Yeah, and we're going to have more about that, too. We're going to be announcing, too, um, today. Actually, we're on the show. Um, we're going to be doing our first social employee advocacy program with the American Marketing Association in Chicago in um, November 4th and 5th. So we invite everybody to go to the website. Go check our Blue Focus Marketing website. Um, or the American Marketing right. Association website to learn more. Fantastic. Good. That's great. So we got a scoop today. Very, yes, very you do. Good. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, you do. Uh, so if you have any questions or comments for Cheryl or Mark, um, you can always check them out at Blue Focus um, and Twitter. They're very active on Twitter and, and have been talking a lot about this. So I know you all are going to uh, stay with me for uh, the rest of the show as we continue uh, on. And in the meantime, if you want to... Um, uh, call us at any point in time. We'd love to hear from you. It's one eight four four Wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. When we come back, we're going to be welcoming the great Tom Peters. You're listening to Marketing Matters. I'm Catherine Hayes, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM one eleven. Stay tuned for more guest interviews. Check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.